Jim Harbaugh? We gotta talk about that possibility, don't we? It's been a, certainly an interesting weekend to catch up on. Plus, we got Mock Draft Monday here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today on the show, we're going to spend most of it talking about Jim Harbaugh. We also have mocked mock draft Monday. But let, let's catch up real quick on the weekend. Of course, Rams and Bengals going to the Super Bowl. Congrats to them. Um, but in Viking land, the head coach search moves on. So they formally interviewed Patrick Graham, DC from the Giants. Um, that is a very interesting candidate. I want to deep dive him on another day if we get time to before the actual head coach is hired, um, because I think he lets us kind of interrogate one of the more interesting pitfalls we can fall into when we're like trying to evaluate how a head coach will do. Tease for that if I ever get around to doing it before the actual head coach is hired. I hope it takes a while. Um, but also Jim Harbaugh. That's interesting. Um, so we'll talk about that. The other thing that we have to pay attention to is, um, because the Rams are in the Super Bowl, it gets a little weirder to hire them. If it's Raheem Morris or Kevin O'Connell who are on the Rams, um, they would, they can't officially announce it until after the Super Bowl. However, they can decide to do it and he just has to accept the position. So it's a weird formality that probably won't come up, but it's something to just keep in mind. Um, but let's talk about Jim Harbaugh. So on Saturday, Jim Harbaugh uh, apparently called the Vikings and had what has been called an exploratory conversation. And it's everybody's very, very uh, big on not calling. It's not an interview. They did not hold an interview with Jim Harbaugh. According to all this, all the people with sources, they had an exploratory conversation, which is, I guess, a different thing. I, they're just gauging interest. They're just saying, hey, are we into this? Are you into this? What's going on? Um, and not necessarily a formal, like, let's bring you in and let's see if you're going to interview for the job. So it's weird because there is this college coach thing where college coaches will often leverage NFL teams against their own employers to try to get a raise. They say, I'm going to go to the NFL if you don't give me an extra million a year and the college doesn't want that. And they so they go, yes, OK. And then they get obscene contracts by doing that. Not unlike how NFL teams will do that by threatening a move to San Antonio or whatever, or it was a move to L.A. for the longest time. Uh, the Wills did that to get U.S. Bank Stadium. So th that is it's just a business move that they do. And so sometimes you'll hear, oh, you know, this college coach is absolutely going to go and get take an NFL job. Sometimes they do take an NFL job. Now, Jim Harbaugh has never been shy that he wants to eventually someday go back and try it again in the NFL. Um, and he he deeply, deeply, deeply wants a Super Bowl because of that. And also the way that this has kind of gone down and also some reporters just saying, no, this is real steam. Like we checked on that and it's not like just a leverage play. It seems like there's genuine interest. But it means we got to talk about this guy. So let me give you the quick skinny on Jim Harbaugh and then. We'll talk a little bit about why I feel the way I feel about him and the way I feel about him is very conflicted. Um, so I'll talk through that with you and then we'll do a mock draft Monday at the end of the show. Should be fun. So Jim Harbaugh 
was his first coaching experience was actually as a volunteer assistant when he was still playing with the Colts. He, he was a volunteer assistant with Western Kentucky, where his dad, Jack Harbaugh, coached. That program was struggling, so he offered his services, and a lot of his services were in recruiting. He would call. He was a quarterback of the Colts, so he would call and uh, say, hi, it's me, Colts quarterback Jim Harbaugh. You should go to Western Kentucky, and that, like, worked on some kids. Um, so he did that, but he also did, like, assistant stuff, but he was an unpaid assistant. He was just volunteering to help his dad, and then he was quarterback's coach for the Colts for a couple of years after he retired, and then he took the head coach job at Stanford, He was there for four years. He got a little bit of momentum, but then he took the job with San Francisco. We all know how the San Francisco job went. NFC Championship, Super Bowl loss, NFC Championship. And then his final year in San Francisco was very tumultuous, 8-8, and and then he was fired. And it's kind of wild that he was fired considering his winning percentage. It was clearly not about that. Then he goes to Michigan, where they kind of toiled in like good, not great world for a while. They could never beat Ohio State, which was always his kind of deal. He went to Michigan, so it was like very personal. And it's very that one of those ancient rides. Rivalries, um, and then he finally wins the Big Ten this this year, which kind of makes sense. Okay, I won the conference. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a conference title, get into the college football playoff, and he did that. So now it's time to set your sights back on the NFL, right? So it kind of makes sense, like the timing of this. That's the general arc of Jim Harbaugh's career. Throughout that time, between college and pro, as a head coach, he has a seventy percent winning percentage. That is obscene. 156 and 65. That is unreal winning percentage. So if you just look at the on-field product that his teams have put on, kind of downweighing the college stuff and upweighting the pro stuff, because you would imagine college translates differently or whatever, you see the tastiest head coaching candidate ever, right? Like that guy, like that is unreal. That you cannot ask for, for somebody like Kevin O'Connell or Jonathan Gannon or D'Amico Ryans to be that good. Somebody green, you know, who comes in with a young, fresh perspective and we can all talk ourselves into that. Or how about a guy that just wins an absolute crap load? So that's really exciting. Um, but obviously what happened in San Francisco bears a ton more discussion. He had uh, a big giant blowout with Trent Baalke. Um, He had basically lost the locker room by that time, his weird personality had gotten under everybody's skin. And according to his own self, this is just what happens. It's just who he is. He rubs people the wrong way. And people have he. I think he said he wears thin on people eventually. And that's just how he works. And there's a lot of people that will corroborate that and say, yeah, he just kind of gets on your nerves after a few years. So where we stand is... If Jim Harbaugh can hold down a pro job for a couple of years, then that's probably going to be a really good head coach if precedent tells us anything. Um, and the way he like found that success is also very sustainable and repeatable. He's very adaptable schematically. He would bring, I would imagine, he would bring good assistance. It was rumored he would bring Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator, which is crazy good, and Pep Hamilton, who's a very exciting offensive coordinator. Um, that, If that rumor is true, that would be awesome, right? That would be an insanely cool staff. Um, rebuild or not, whether or not you're getting rid of Kirk Cousins, Kirk People and anti-Kirk people can absolutely get together and understand that that staff would be very good schematically for the roster the Vikings have, for any roster really, but particularly the roster the Vikings have, which was transitioning toward a Vic Fangio style scheme. So just bring the guy in. That rules. 
but it's just a matter of can that work interpersonally for long enough to give them a puncher's chance at a Super Bowl before it all blows up and goes down in flames, which kind of nobody in the entire world, not even Jim Harbaugh, thinks that that won't happen. So that's what we have to kind of work out, which we will do right after we talk about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. But Built Bar is absolutely delicious, covered in 100% chocolate, and it will trick your little lizard brain into thinking that you are having a cheat day. It is still January, last day of January, it is still resolution season, and that means we're all trying to be good, right? We're all trying to maybe lose or maintain weight, We are just trying to stay healthy and maybe resist our basest cravings, our most depraved 2 a.m. mistakes of sin. Well, why don't you just sin? But it's a built bar, so you can trick your lizard brain into thinking that you're committing grave sins. But instead, you're munching something down. It's got like 130 calories, maybe. Uh, Compare that to a candy bar. It's got like 300 calories, like 30 grams of sugar. You got like four grams of sugar in one of these bad boys. It ain't that bad at all. And like 17 grams of protein as well. So it works after like a workout or something like you would any uh, protein bar. It just tastes like a candy bar. You will actually crave one of these. They are that tasty. They come in like chocolate caramel, uh, chocolate raspberry, chocolate orange, uh, whatever floats your boat. So head on over to built.com. Enter promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your order and get a going with a box of Built Bar. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15. Thanks one more time for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. So let's really get into the nitty gritty of Jim Harbaugh before we do Mock Draft Monday a little later. Um, so Harbaugh is a completely insane person. That's I asked Locked On 49ers uh, Brian Peacock to, to explain John Harbaugh to me. And the first sentence he said was, oh, he's an insane person and he will grind everybody to dust. That was that was how he put it. And there's the, the truth to that, especially is it was with the players. He ground those players into dust. It is not a coincidence that like he had what was his name? Clint Bowling, the linebacker that that retired in his second year. He actually pressured a Michigan player into retiring when he was there so that he could free up that scholarship to go to somebody else. Um, there are stories about him like pressuring players to play through injury in a in a sort of toxic way, although I don't think that's particularly unique to Jim Harbaugh. It's still something that's kind of gross. And all in all, um, there's just this interpersonal thing. But that isn't as much of a problem because for every horror story you get about how much of a monster Jim Harbaugh is, there are also players that will go to bat for him forever and ever and ever that, that swear by him and say he's the greatest guy ever and he totally turned us around and blah, blah, blah. Um, Vernon Davis is one of those players. Just loves Jim Harbaugh and will absolutely like go to bat for him. Great, right? So we got conflicting reports and we just kind of take that as it is. But when it comes to his relationship to Trent Balky. We got to look into that and see, okay, is that going to happen again? Because we don't want to build a a great good thing, put all this effort into building a contender and then have it fall apart because mommy and daddy couldn't stop fighting. So that, and that's kind of what happened in San Francisco. They had this great juggernaut built that was a powerhouse of the NFC. And then it all fell apart after one eight and eight season, despite winning what, like 11 games, 13 games each of the last three years. Um, Then one eight and eight season, it goes away because there was a power struggle. And From what I can gather, and it's kind of hard to piece things together because every little detail came out like, you know, two years later, like at one point and maybe didn't even get as much fanfare depending on what else was going on that week. But what I can gather is that there were power struggles chiefly over roster management and personnel. 
Um, basically, and, and I think Harbaugh would like say this, like, yeah, it was about people. It was about personnel management um, where, for example, one time there was a running back or slash fullback from Stanford that he loved, that he wanted to bring with him. He coached him at Stanford. And then a couple years later, that guy was ready to go pro and he wanted to draft that guy. So he called him the perfect football player. Didn't end up getting him. The Cleveland Browns took him instead and the 49ers took somebody else. A couple years later, Cleveland cut the guy. He actually ends up coming into San Francisco and then Jim Harbaugh cuts him. And that sort of eccentricity seemed to be common where he's like hot, cold on guys all the time. And this guy's the greatest dude ever. You must bring him in. And then suddenly he would hate the guy. And that was very frustrating to Trent Baalke, who no angel by any stretch of the imagination either, by the way, like total wrecking ball in his own right. Um, but he is a much more methodical personality. He wants to be very, uh, he, he, he's very much a control freak, I think, in the same way that, that Harbaugh was, which is obviously why they couldn't get along. But he's a lot more analytical about it, not literally analytics, but like he's more pragmatic, I guess he wants to be about it. And I can't help but foresee a scenario where Jim Harbaugh happens to disagree on a personnel management standpoint with something Quasi Adafa Mensa wants to do pragmatic as ever analytics guy, Quasi Adolfo Mensa. <laughs> this seems to have been a problem for him before. Uh, what happens there? Where's the power structure go? And when Adolfo Mensa was, was asked about roster management, he was kind of cagey about it. And I think the way he said is like, look, if I can work with the head coach, that distinction won't matter. If I can work with you, I can work for you, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he didn't just say, no, I will have roster control. He didn't just declare that. Um, so I don't know how that power structure would work, but if those two things come into conflict, will they be able to resolve it? I think is a genuine question you can have with bulky Harbaugh and bulky were friends for the first three years, maybe two and a half years for, for the first while of his time in San Francisco, there was no friction at all. They were just building a good team. And then suddenly it totally fell out of, out of favor as all of these little incidents piled up. He would barge into to personnel offices and demand this. And then the, a week later, he would like totally be down on the guy and then like he'd cut him. And that up, down, sort of fly by the seat of your pants, improvisational nature isn't as conducive to building a contender in the pros. And the thing about the pros that's different than college, where Harbaugh has been for most of his career, is that in the pros, you must collaborate. There are not many God emperors, judge, jury, executioner types in the NFL. There's Bill Belichick, and I, I, I can't really think of another one off the top of my head. Kind of Pete Carroll. Um, I don't know. Somebody can probably tell me another one if I'm forgetting somebody, but there's not a lot. In college, every head coach is kind of God emperor, is nobody is there to question the head coach. Nobody's saying, you know, he has all the control in the world over his staff, his players, recruiting, scheme game plans, everything. He is as much as that guy can personally do and doesn't have to delegate to his staff. He has full and total control over. So going into the pros, everything is a little bit more delegated. Everything's a little more specialized. If you are the head coach, you're the head coach and you might not get final say in the draft room. So would Harbaugh get final say in the draft room? And if he doesn't, would that be a problem? Um, and if it is a problem, is it something that they all say, no, 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 we can totally work it out. We'll, we'll be better this time. We promise. And then three years later, it all falls out, right? It's really easy to fall into that trap if you have a good conversation with somebody. Now, I would be remiss if I did not mention that Duffamenta was in San Francisco during all of this stuff with Bulky. He was there in 2013 and 2014 when 
Harbaugh's uh, final years were going down. He was in that front office. Like he was in the room probably, or at least in the building and people talk enough. He probably has a reasonable idea of what went down there. Much better one than I can get just Google and stuff. So to some degree, we just kind of have to trust him there. Um, but it's still worth being concerned over the way that he grates on people after a while. Adolfo Mensa worked with Harbaugh for two years. The clock seems to be four years. So are we just purchasing a complete bomb that's going to go off and totally tear apart the foundation the Wilfs were so excited to say we have this foundation to build around? That's where my level of concern is. All that said, even if Harbaugh's here for four years and is a ticking time bomb and then is like a total ass the whole time, look, man, if he wins a Super Bowl, nobody cares. Nobody cares if he's a total piece of crap if he wins a ring. And I certainly wouldn't either. So I think I can get on board with it because in that four year time bomb, like the length of the fuse, I don't hate the odds. The dude knows how to win. And if we do hire him, I would love to go more in depth on that because he's very adaptable. He's very good at designing things around his players. He is not an offensive nor a defensive guy. He's been a head coach and he's had staff that would come with him. Um, it would be a good group of people to to bring to usher the Vikings into the new era, be that with Kirk or not. It's just a matter of how far into that build do you get before you have a power struggle and somebody ends up getting ousted out of the building and then suddenly your plan is totally topsy-turvy. The only worry I have, if that worry is quelled, I'm all in. And I honestly, I'm in for it anyways. I can totally get behind it. It's I, there is just that concern, and I think it's a legitimate one. But that's enough on that for now. Let's transition into mock draft Monday. First, I'm going to tell you about my favorite app. It is Get Upside. Get Upside just saves you money on gas. It's what it does, and there's no real catch to that. You can just download the Get Upside app. It's free on uh, the Google Play or App Store. You can. Uh, it'll have a little map that's like gas stations around you. These are the participating ones. You go to one of those. You uh, go fill up, take a picture of your receipt, upload it to the app, and it'll take like a day or two to process, and then you just have money in your account, and that's it. Like 25 cents off a gallon if you use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN with the GetUpside app. It's like three, 400 bucks a year. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 25 cents a gallon off at the pump with the GetUpside app. All right, everybody, let's try to have a little fun and we'll wrap this out with a mock draft simulator. It's mock draft Monday. Every single Monday we are doing this until draft weekend, um, but we're still starting up, up until probably free agency. We're going to be very, very light about it. I am using the PFN mock draft simulator, the Pro Football Network mock draft simulator. Going to use that all offseason to keep that at least controlled. Um, and then I'm just letting it do a simulation for me, and we're going to see who we end up taking. Now, before, we were only doing one round and we weren't, weren't doing trades. I'm actually going to bring trades in this time just to get a sense for the board. Um, I'm still only doing the one round, so I don't really get to see the, the benefits of my trades, but I can at least see, okay, if we trade down to pick 30, what's it like down there? Which is what I'm going to do here. I just got a trade offer from Kansas City. They're trading me pick 30, and they want to go up for the price of pick 62, a second round pick next year, and pick 94. So two seconds and a third to go down uh, 18 spots. Sure, I don't know if that's good value, but let's do it just to see what it would be like down there. Um, the other rule that I have for this is whoever I pick, uh, I cannot pick in a future draft at all. So I'm now here at pick 30 and I am looking around at who is available. My goodness, there are a lot of quarterbacks at the top of the board here. So let me just kind of talk my way through this a little bit. 
Um, you have Isaiah Spiller. He's the Texas A&M running back. He was a lot of their offense. Um, I don't know if there's really a place for him in uh, in Minnesota's offense right now. They're pretty much set at the skill positions, except maybe like slot receiver or whatever. There's a lot of quarterbacks, though. Carson Strong, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. Um, I kind of want to save those guys for a more serious mock draft that's closer to the actual thing. Uh, but you know what? Screw it. Let's take Malik Willis. Malik Willis is what I've come to know as like this year's super athletic guy. He is the, I mean, pick your guy, your Jordan Love, your Josh Allen, your Patrick Mahomes range of outcomes, right? You can be the most elite dude ever or you're a total catastrophe. Um, And he's kind of that like phenomenal arm, super dual threat guy. There is just not really a sense at all for pocket management or decision making or any of that stuff. And he went to Liberty, which is a small school. So, of course, his talent's going to look a lot crazier out there. But here is kind of where I go when, when it comes to taking a quarterback in the first round of the draft. Whether or not the Vikings will do that is a total guess for me right now. I have no earthly idea. Um, however... Of course, I mean, if they trade Kirk Cousins in March, they're going for it, right? Well, obviously. But even if they don't, it might mean it might be prudent to get somebody, you know, get a, an heir apparent waiting in the wings. I don't really think that Kellen Mond is that guy. I didn't think so when they drafted him either. Um, and everything that I saw every time I saw him take the field, it, it didn't really do anything for me. I don't really think that he has the uh, the tools necessary to become a starting quality quarterback in the league. If he proved me wrong, that would be sick. But I don't think so right now, such that I think drafting another quarterback is probably a good idea. And plus, like, yeah, we've got the third rounder. We don't need a quarterback. Seems like a pretty bad idea. But the Malik Willis thing is really interesting to me because so he gets a lot of Lamar Jackson comps. And I haven't watched enough of him to know if I agree with that. But I mean, sure. Right. Like, all right. The guy's got crazy arm talent and crazy legs. He's going to get the Lamar Jackson comp. Um, But it sounds a little bit more to me. Like he maybe is more like Josh Allen was coming out. Now, Josh Allen was not good at all coming out. He had no idea what he was doing. And he was at Wyoming, too. It was the same deal. It was like kind of a small school, like Mountain West. Like, I don't know. Um, and in 2018, when he was first a rookie, it was not a great year for him. And even in 2019, the Bills went to the playoffs, but that they had such a good roster around him. It kind of seemed like they were dragging him to the playoffs. And everybody was kind of wondering, is this going to be the only time this kid ever gets to the playoffs? And then in 2020, they got Stefan Diggs. Obviously, that helped. He's a great accuracy eraser. Um, but also, Josh Allen started throwing the ball more accurately. And he started, they they got him, they got a scheme around him that fit for him. And they figured out how to build an offense only making throws they knew Josh Allen could make. So if the Vikings are going to do something like that, and I think somebody like Jim Harbaugh would be a pretty good like executor of that plan um, or somebody that, you know, we, we know would be able to scheme around his guys then like I think Raheem Morris would be able to, even though he was mostly a defensive guy, he's still got enough offensive prowess and he has designed other schemes around his players. Like, you know, that's important to him. But any of those coaches that you think can be adaptable, um, and this is what I liked about Brian Dable, then you can kind of build an offense around what his skill set actually is. And if that's like power option, Lamar Jackson, screw it. We're going to pass three times a game and we're just going to be like an old school wing T offense. Good luck. Then I guess sure. Um, like go for it. If that's what skill set your quarterback has, 
lean in and go be the best version of that that you can be. I think we'll talk more about these quarterbacks a lot more at a later date, um, especially somebody like uh, Malik Willis, who I think is going to be a very unique evaluation and you have to be very careful not to just say, oh, he's Josh Allen part two or oh, he's Lamar Jackson. Like that's the only way I know how to describe it right now. But stay tuned, I guess, is what I'll say for a little bit better analysis, I think, as we get closer to the draft and I can sink my teeth into these guys a little bit more. But that's going to be the thing, Malik Willis. So as a mock draft, I selected Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty, and got an extra second and a third and also a second rounder next year. That seems like a pretty good haul, unless you hate Malik Willis, in which case I totally botched this, right? But if that's the case, if there's just a whole bunch of quarterbacks sitting back to the, at the end of the second round or at the end of the first round, if that's going to be where all of them are, and if the Vikings want a quarterback, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be where they end up, though. Quarterbacks always rise as we get closer to the draft. You know, this is where Jared Goff was at this time of year during his draft cycle. He ends up going one overall. So I'm sure all these quarterbacks, even though they're not as exciting, are going to rise and rise. And then, you know, three of them are going to go top 10 because that's just how quarterbacks work. But for now... Feels like we got away with murder a little bit. And that's always exciting. So no more Malik Willis until uh, at least until I reset the mock draft Mondays. Um, tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday. So get your questions in. If they hire a head coach, we will put the Twitter episode off and we'll talk about that. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll just play all that stuff by ear. But still, ask me questions at Luke Braun NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. There's a Google form in the show notes. You can also send an email to LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. I will see you all tomorrow. In the meantime, check out the Locked on Bets podcast. They'll get your gramble straight. Check out the the Peacock and Williamson podcast. They are going to be on the ground at the Super Bowl and bring you all sorts of great coverage from there. I will see you all tomorrow. Let's keep up the uh, let's let's keep it up. I think we're really close to finding out who our head coach is. And as always, skull.